Matthew chapter 28. We're going to read the first eight verses. The Bible says, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was, light, was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. For for fear of him the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and with great joy, and did run to bring his disciples' word. Wow, what a glorious morning that must have been. And here we are, 2,000 years later, celebrating this glorious truth that Jesus is alive. He is not here, for he is risen. What a blessing it is to worship the Lord each Sunday. It's often referred to as the Lord's Day by many people, by many churches. But I like what, what Dr. Warren Worsby once said about this. Whenever God's people gather on the Lord's Day, they bear witness that Jesus is alive and that the church has received spiritual blessings. When the followers of Jesus gathered on that first Lord's Day, as we have saw here, they were discouraged and defeated. What a, a change that must have taken place. We call it the Lord's Day because it's interesting. Sunday, why do we worship on Sunday? Very simple. It's the day that the Lord Jesus rose from the dead. And every week we come to remember it. So if you don't think that being in church or your attendance matters, it does matter. We praise God for that. What a time to give glory to the Lord for His, His glorious truth. As we see, though, in this passage here, we see that the women came to the tomb. And, of course, the other disciples, we know from the other accounts that there was a lot of discouragement uh, a sense of defeat uh, that was going on. But what the women saw, and others saw that day, they saw and believed that changed their lives forever. And the glorious message is, He is risen. It still has the power to change lives today. So I invite you today in this message, as we look here at this precious passage, is to come and see the risen Lord. Jesus is alive and alive forevermore. Before we get into the actual message, and I think it would be appropriate this Sunday, especially as we look here at the resurrection, I want to take you to Jerusalem today for, for those who have had the pleasure of uh, going to Jerusalem. By the way, mark your calendars for fall of 2024. We are getting a trip to Israel planned, okay? There you go. Start saving your shekels, okay? So there you go. So, but it'll be a fantastic time. One of the places that we'll try to go to on this tour is to the Garden Tomb. Uh, we tried to save that for the last day or the next to the last day because it really brings to the whole point of why we come to Israel, why we do that. So guys, we're going to virtually hopefully pack your bags today. You don't even need a passport for this journey, all right? The trip is free. The airline food was provided earlier this morning, okay? So, <laughs> but I want to take you here to the Garden Tomb. The Garden Tomb is just outside on the north side of the old city of Jerusalem, outside Damascus Gate. This morning... Uh, every Easter, they have a special sunrise service that takes place there. 
Actually, the church that we pastored in Israel in Tel Aviv, they actually brought their group. They were there this morning, just a few hours ago, for that special sunrise service. What a fantastic time to be there for that. So anyways, this is here, the garden tomb, right outside the old city. I think it's really an amazing place. For those who have been there, you understand that, that Jerusalem... Even as it was in Jesus' time, even so today, it's hustle and bustle. Very noisy, crowded area. And then you get outside to this area, and the Bible says, and at that tomb, there was a garden. And there is a sense of peace and serenity. They've done a really good job of, of caring for the place and all that. But let me just take you a very quick tour of this area before we get in the message. This is kind of setting the stage. I want to see the Bible come to life. I want us to understand it. We're not just reading a story. This is a true story. And I want to take you to the place. Whether that this is the actual place or not, that's up for debate. But the fact is this, that this is an empty tomb. And we serve a risen Savior. We'll see that in a moment. Just outside of the garden, there's a place that... Back in the 1960s, uh, there was a man by the name of uh, uh, General Gordon, Chinese Gordon, who was at the house of Horatio Gates Spafford. Horatio Gates Spafford, you might know him by the author, as the author of It Is Well With My Soul. After he lost his, um, his daughters uh, to a, basically a drowning accident on, on the sea, that shortly after that, he eventually moved to Israel, to Jerusalem, and actually had a house right on the edge of the wall near Damascus Gate. It was that day that Charles Gordon, Chinese Gordon, was on that wall there one afternoon with his Bible in hand, and he looked across the, the little valley that was in front of him, and across the other side, he saw on the face of the rock what looked like a skull, a place of skull. Well, what they ended up doing was they did a little excavation, found out this was indeed an actual execution site uh, back from the Roman period 2,000 years ago. And so as they excavated there, they was indeed, they said, this could be, I mean, Skull Hill, Golgotha, Calvary, the place of the skull, that, that had his uh, wheels turning. Well, it was very shortly after that, that they, to the little bit to the left of that area, they did some more excavation and they uncovered what was discovered here was an actual tomb that was there. There's some debate on the actual date of this. Like I said, we don't know for sure if this is the actual tomb of Jesus or not. Like I said, that itself is not important. It's the fact that he is risen again. But at this place, there was a garden. And back uh, over 100 years ago now, uh, a British society, non-denominational society, has beautified it, put a beautiful garden in that that people can come and visit and really appreciate uh, that is there. So you come there and you see a trough where a large stone would have been put in place that would have blocked that area. This area here actually was, during at least the Crusader times and even before that, was a chapel. There was actually evidence of that. There's a little niche that's over here, that there was a beam that went out, that this was, in fact, a chapel of some sort back at least from the Crusader period a thousand years ago or even before that. Nonetheless, this place has some type of significance to it. But the important thing is this. When you go inside, the Bible says when you look at the gospel accounts, uh, of, the, of the burial of Christ, of the tomb of Christ, you notice that it says that there was a young man or an angel sitting on the right side. And when you enter into that tomb, you turn right, and there it is. There's the entrance right there. And on the right side is the area where the tomb would have been, where the bodies would have been laid. And so nothing, if nothing else, it really helps us put in mind what took place there that Easter morning. So as we come and see this now here, the important thing is this, that we serve a risen Savior. You go in that tomb, and I always challenge people when we come there, is that you've traveled halfway around the world to come to this place, and what is in the tomb? Nothing. Why did you come halfway around the world to see nothing? Because our faith is not dependent on a place, it's dependent upon a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And that is what our faith is built upon. So they have on the door the sign that we have here from the Gospels. He is not here. He is risen. That's the message we have today. So I invite you to come as we come here to the garden tomb today to come and see the risen Lord. As we've looked through this passage here, I'm going to leave this slide up for the duration of the service so you can see this and be an object lesson. But as we see this here, as I was rereading the text, uh, one word stuck out to me as we were going through each. And I want you to follow along kind of as, as I look at this, starting in verse 1. Again, it talks about the time, the end of the Sabbath. So this is Sunday morning. As it began to dawn through the first of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. The word that stuck out to me as I'm reading this, I don't have you ever done this. You read a passage, read it over and over, and maybe there's a verse or a phrase that kind of sticks out to you. And in this time, a verse that, or the word that came out to me was the word see. And we're gonna, and I invite you to come and see what is here, with the truth that we have here, to come and see the risen Lord. Mary and Martha came to see the sepulcher. Now, again, they did not come to the tomb that morning just to see the tomb, but the one who was placed in the tomb. Okay? Very important we, we understand that. I want you to look with me just a few verses before in Matthew 20, uh, 27, in verse 61. Actually, let's begin in verse uh, 60. talks about taking the body of Jesus into the tomb of Joseph of the Arimathea. Verse 60 says, And they laid it upon a new tomb, which had been hewn out of the rock, and had rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher, and departed. And there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sitting over against the sepulcher. So in other words, what we're seeing here is that Mary, uh, these two Marys, they were there at the tomb that day. They were there at the burial of Jesus when Jesus was placed in the tomb. And here we have them there at, when he is risen, when the tomb is open. Uh, the book is. It's kind of an interesting little story that's right here. And so as, just as the women stood by the tomb as burial, they now stood by his tomb at his resurrection. I think that's just beautiful right there. But like I said, this morning, when they're coming to the tomb, they did not see just the tomb. They came to see the one who was placed in the tomb. I like what Adam Clark, a famous commentator, said this. These holy women, filled with that love to their Lord, which death cannot destroy, cleave to him, to Jesus in life, and in death were not divided. They came to the grave to see the end, and overwhelmed with sorrow and anguish, and sat down to mourn. Again, I think they, this morning they were coming to do exactly that. They were coming to care for the body of the Lord. And as they do, the Bible says they prepared spices and other fragrances that would have kind of like just helped cover the, the smell. It, it was believed that around the third day when a body was put in a tomb, that's when it was really started the de- decomposing. That was the belief at the time. And so they would try to cover it up a little bit just as a way to care for the body one they dearly love. This, again, was expression of earnest love. And coming early to care for the body. Not just they came that day, but they came early at the break of dawn, the first available time they could, they came there. I think something else we kind of take for granted is this, and we read in the story that remember what had happened. The, the Pharisee, the Sanhedrin, they had made a deal with Pilate, what? To guard the tomb, to seal it, put a, a group of soldiers around it. Of course, the angel took care of that, and they rolled the stone away. Remember, they were curious about that. How are we going to roll the stone away? Especially with guards there, too. Nonetheless, the Lord, took, uh, the Lord took care of that through his angels. But as we see this, the heart that we have of the women that came to the tomb, they came to see the sepulcher. As we see this here, true love to Christ will carry us through to the uttermost. 
in following him. Death itself cannot quench that divine fire. That's the question I have. Where were the disciples? Where were others that dearly loved the Lord? Where was their passion? And I'll, I'll kind of give them a little bit of grace, but the disciples, they were a little bit afraid. Remember what just happened to Jesus? Remember, most of them earlier, they had ran away in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, John followed at a distance. He was at the cross. Peter denied him and backed away. But here it was the women who came to the tomb. I think that's really interesting here. But uh, one thing we think about, this is my impression I was reading through the gospel accounts today, is that when the women came to the tomb, they came to see the sepulcher, came to see the tomb. But I was reading a little bit, kind of curious this. Why do we visit graves? Why do we visit memorials or you see a plaque dedicated to someone who has passed away? I like what one writer said this, that cemeteries serve as signposts pointing us in two directions. The life before with our loved one and the life after without our loved one. That's kind of what we have. But I think in a, in a sense, as we look here at the tomb today, and as we see here the tomb behind me, when we come and visit is this. Look at the life. Before you encounter Christ, what was your life before? And now when you encounter Christ, what is your life after? This is the point of a cemetery, is a tomb. For a believer in Jesus Christ, our hope is sure. We have a sure hope, a sure eternity with our Lord, a sure hope of heaven. I like what Matthew Henry said this. Visits to a grave are of great use to Christians and will help us make it familiar to them and to take off the terror of it. There is a terror in death. There is a fear of death. But for the believer, it should not be so because especially visits to the grave of our Lord Jesus where they may see our sin buried out of sight, the pattern for our sanctification and the great proof of redeeming love shining lustrously even in that land of darkness. When you think about it, a cemetery is a land of darkness. There's not much hope there, is there? But for the believer, there's great hope. And like I said, when we see Jesus, he buried our sins away. The Bible says, for as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. We praise God for that. Yesterday, my wife and I, uh, we drove past uh, the grave of, uh, of Eldie and Marge Walter. It was a blessing to be there. And the, there was no snow this time. <laughs> As we went there, we kind of stopped right by the grave. And for many people, you come there, and it's a place to remember and a place to connect. But it was a moment I said, you know what? I'm going to see my brother and sister again. There's a hope right there. And you know what? That hope is linked to this. It's linked to the cross. It's linked to Jesus Christ and his resurrection from the grave. So cemeteries serve as signposts pointing us in two directions. And as you come and you encounter the Lord, you encounter this passage we hear, this Easter Sunday of all days, you are encountered with that signpost of life. What was your life before Jesus Christ? And if you've come to accept him as your Savior, what is your life after? For the believer, it's glorious. So the challenge is this, as we come to see the sepulcher, just as these Marys did, come and see the risen Lord. That's the message today. But also there's another place where we look for the word see or looking. Look with me a little bit later on. We now have the, the door open to the tomb. In verse 5, the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye, what? Seek Jesus. You're looking for Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. And here's the next point. Come and see 
the place where he lay. Like I said, they came to see the crucified Lord, but instead they found the place of the risen Lord. Isn't that beautiful? I like what Jameson Fawcett Brown said in his commentary. See the place where the Lord lay. What a charming indivision, uh, invitation. Come, see the spot where the Lord of glory lay. Now it is an empty grave. He lies not here, but he lay there. Past tense. Come, feast your eyes on it. We come and we're challenged here. When you get to the garden tomb, folks, whether it's a place or not, you come there and it's empty. And what? You should come out rejoicing. Not this place, hey, it looks like a, just a big shell. No, it's a, re, it's a time to rejoice. We serve a risen Savior. He's alive. That's what our hope is based on to them. You know, as we think about this, the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, as one person said, is it, it would have or should have been enough to merely hear the testimony of the angel. He's not here. He is risen. Nevertheless, they saw it. That's the point. They saw, they were eyewitnesses to it. And it gave them ground to stand on, even more solid than the testimony of the angels. One thing to hear the angels say it, but they saw it for themselves. I like what Charles Spurgeon, a famous preacher, said this. One eyewitness is better than 20 ear witnesses. Men will believe what you have seen if they do not believe what you have heard. It's one thing when the women went back to the disciples told them that story. Yeah, we heard that Jesus rose from the dead. No. They said, no, we saw that Jesus rose from the dead. You see the difference in that? That is a great hope that we have here today. So again, the message is simple. Come and see the risen Lord. And next we see another part of this. The women were assured that they would see Jesus. Look with me in verse 7. And the angel said, Go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. And there shall ye see him. I, lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulchre with fear and joined and run to bring his disciples word. So here's the point. The, the, this assured, this important, uh, this important topic right here. The women were assured that they would see Jesus. This is anticipation. This assured the women that they would see the resurrected Jesus. He simply wasn't just raised from the dead. He was raised to continue his relationship with them. That, that's, that's, this is the important thing about the resurrection, folks. Something that we often miss is that, yes, we, we believe in Jesus, sure. But the idea is that Jesus rose from the dead, not just to go to heaven, but to kin- continue that relationship with you, just as he continued that relationship with the women and with his disciples. He was on this earth for another 40 days. There were over 500 eyewitnesses. Justin read that passage earlier today. There were eyewitnesses, and they had fellowship with Jesus. It wasn't, oh yeah, there's Jesus over across the parking lot. There's Jesus somewhere up on a cloud. They physically saw him, interacted with him, ate with him, talked with him. What a wonderful fellowship that would have been. Jesus rose from the dead to continue that fellowship. Guess what? We have that same fellowship today. We serve a living Savior. We don't go here as a shrine, folks. We go here to see a testimony of what the Lord has done in his risen Lord. Praise God for that. Conceivably, the angel might have said, he is risen and then ascended into heaven. That would have been better than knowing that he was simply dead. But the truth was far better than that. He was risen and risen to continue to have a real relationship with his disciples and with us. And here's the point. Jesus is still risen. That's the point. He is still risen. Not just he is risen, he is still risen today. That truth has not changed at all. We praise God for that. 
One other thing today, what should that tell us to do? To run and share the word as we see here in verse 8. They were supposed to tell the disciples to go quickly. Running to bring his disciples word. The women were filled with great fear and with great joy and did exactly what the angel told them to do. And they went and did quickly what, and they did. Again, Charles Spurgeon to quote him. What should our response be to the message of the risen Lord? Spurgeon said, saints running in the way of obedience are likely to be met by Jesus. Listen to that again. Saints running in the way of obedience. In other words, they ran and did what they were told are likely to be met by Jesus. Some Christians travel to heaven so slowly that they are overtaken by follies or faults or by slumber or by Satan's devices. But he who is Christ's running footman shall meet his master while he is speeding on his way. In other words, if you're doing what the Lord has called you to do, be faithful to him and do it with, with heart and all that, the Lord will bless that. Praise God for that. Let's not be complacent in our Christianity, folks. It shouldn't be optional for us to pray to God, to worship Him, to come with other believers, to sing praise to Him, to come to church. No, this should be a time of excitement. Every Lord's Day we come together and we serve a risen Savior. And that's what connects us together. Again, I invite you to come see the risen Lord. But now what do we see? What is the, the message of the risen Lord? What's the message? The resurrection, first of all, is always connected to the cross. Again, it says in verse 5, they said, Fear ye not, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. Jesus was crucified. He died for our sins because of our sins. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The idea there that we have all missed the mark. There's nothing in and us that can save us, folks. We can't be good enough. You can't pay enough money. I tell you what, even if you lived in the church, it's not good enough to get you to heaven, folks. All right? We desperately need the grace of God. And that was revealed through Jesus Christ by his death on the cross who took our punishment, who died in our place when we should have been punished for our sins. Jesus was punished for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus died to give you life and life abundantly. This is what it's about. The world can only give you so much life. And I'll be honest with you, it's going to flee. It's going to go away. All right? It's going to be dashing stones like any playoff hopes of the Vikings, you know? All right? It's short-lived. We need something greater than that, folks. We need the Lord Jesus Christ. We all need that. Matthew Henry said this, True believers love and seek Christ, not though he was crucified, but because he was crucified. We love him because he first loved us, and he displayed that on the cross. You see here, the heart of the gospel, the heart of good, the good news of the Bible is the fact that he is risen. What you're looking at, he is risen. This is the heart of the gospel. You know, the resurrection is significant because it proves who Jesus is. Jesus himself told his disciples what was going to happen to him. He said it in several places. In Matthew chapter 20, it says, Jesus said, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and of the scribes. They shall condemn him to death. And be delivered to him the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him. And the third day he shall rise again. Jesus himself told of this news. And as that morning, that Sunday morning, when the women came, they found that stone was rolled away. It's been commonly said this, that the stone was rolled away not to let the Lord out only, but to let people in to prove the fact of the empty tomb. As the song says by the Gaithers who said this, the empty grave is there to prove what? My Savior lives. That's what it's there for. It's a testimony, not a shrine. It's a testimony of the work of the Lord. 
So we close this with a challenge then. There are three basic challenges. The first of all, the message of the risen Lord is personal. As the angel told them, told the women, he said, Fear not, for I know you that see Jesus, which is crucified. He is not here, he is risen. This was a personal message to them that he is risen. Not just that he's risen, he's living. In Luke's gospel, they describe it this way. Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. It's an astonishing question. He is not just the risen, but he is the living one. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, it said, Jesus said, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Here's the point. In Christ, we are secure as Jesus is alive. Think about that. In Christ, we are secure. Our eternity, our relationship with him is secure as Jesus is alive. Praise God for that. Not only is this message personal, but this message should be shared with other believers, brothers and sisters in the Lord, as they were told to tell his disciples that he is risen. This message should encourage us one another. That's why I say Easter Sunday is like a family reunion. We come together and we share this good news. He is risen. Our relationship is secure because of him. And then thirdly, not only is this message personal, not only is this message to be shared with other believers, but also to be shared with the whole world. Later on in the gospel here in Matthew 28, actually it finishes out with these words. Jesus gave them power and it told them this message. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. The message of the risen Lord is to be shared with the whole world as well. And we praise God for the opportunities, not just in our neighborhood, among your families, in your street corner, but regions beyond. I praise God for the 21 missionary families that we support here at Victory Baptist. Not just support, we partner with them in seeing the gospel proclaimed, this same message today, that he is risen. The message of the gospel is very simple. The message of the empty tomb is simple. Come and see, go and tell. Come and see, go and tell. This message should deep, well deep within our heart that should change us forever. And folks, I don't know about you, but we have a hope, a sure hope of eternity with Christ. Praise God for that. If you came here this morning, you may be discouraged, maybe fearful, uncertain about things in life, but be of good cheer. Jesus has conquered death through his resurrection. And again, the resurrection assures us of our standing in him. We praise God for that. And because he lives, we can face tomorrow. I invite you, believe in the risen Lord today. Come and see the risen Lord. If you are here today and you do not know for sure where you would spend eternity, if you would die today, where would you be? The Bible says this, is a point unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment Death is a reality, folks. And like I said, a grave, a grave site is a signpost of life. A life before and a life after. The thing is this, eternity is sure. Death is sure. But in Christ, we have a great hope of the resurrection.